This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Amen. It's such a privilege to be able to worship with you today as you rejoice in this year-long celebration of 50 years of God's grace. For our devotion today, I invite you to open your worship folder to page 2. The text is printed out for you, and there's also a sermon outline for you there. In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 19 to 23, the Apostle Paul is speaking. Though I am free and belong to no one, I have made myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. To the Jews I became like a Jew to win the Jews. To those under the law I became like one under the law, though I myself am not under the law, so as to win those under the law. To those not having the law I became like one not having the law, though I am not free from God's law but am under Christ's law, so as to win those not having the law. To the weak I became weak to win the weak. I have become all things to all people so that by all possible means I might save some. I do all this for the sake of the gospel that I may share in its blessings. This is the word of our Lord. Dear fellow recipients of God's amazing grace, what words would you use to describe the Apostle Paul? What character traits did he exhibit most in his life? Well, some of the words that come to mind are ambitious, committed, passionate, driven, and zealous. You know, it's interesting that Paul displayed some of those same character traits even before he was a Christian. Sadly, however, at this point of his life, all that energy and all that ambition was directed toward the wrong goal. You see, Paul started out as a proud, self-righteous Pharisee. He prided himself on his faultless keeping of the law and believed that his good life would earn him a ticket straight to heaven. Driven to be the best, he rose to the top of his class, a Pharisee among Pharisees. At this time of his life, Paul despised Christians and he considered Christ to be a fraud and a phony, leading people away from the traditions of the Jewish leaders. In his ignorance and unbelief, he was hell-bent to destroy the Christian church. Paul set out to hunt down Christians, have them arrested, put them in prison, and he even had many of them put to death. Do you know that Paul was the head honcho at the stoning of Stephen, the first Christian martyr? Yes, Paul was always zealous about his work, but unfortunately at this time of his life, in his blindness, his zeal was totally misguided. But then suddenly something happened that changed everything. The Lord Jesus appeared to Paul on the road to Damascus, turning his life around 180 degrees. He converted him, turning him from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God. He opened his eyes so he could see. Jesus exposed the futility and the foolishness of his former way of life and convinced him to now trust in Jesus as his Lord and Savior. Saul, the great persecutor of the Christian church, became the Apostle Paul, one of the greatest Christian missionaries who ever lived and the writer of 13 books of our New Testament Bible. Paul now dedicated the rest of his life to telling people the good news of his risen Savior and testifying to the gospel of God's grace. Yes, God took one of his worst enemies and made him into his dearest friend. 
What's interesting is that Paul carried some of those same character traits into his new way of life. He was still ambitious and driven and passionate and zealous, but now enlightened by the Holy Spirit through the power of the gospel, he directed all of his energy and ambition to doing something good, to serving his Savior. In his letter to the Philippians, Paul told us about this. He said, Whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them all rubbish, that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Jesus Christ, the righteousness that comes from God and is by faith. Now I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Do you see? Paul is still driven. He's still compassionate. He's still zealous. But instead of spending his whole life trying to earn his way to heaven by his faultless keeping of the law, Paul learned simply to rely on the merits of Jesus Christ to bring him into a right relationship with God as a free gift. Paul could have easily written that famous hymn, Amazing Grace, because I think the words of that song beautifully typify the before and after picture of his life. Paul could say firsthand, Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. Gone from Paul's heart now was all sinful pride and foolish boasting about himself. Now instead, Paul's heart overflowed with gratitude. See, when Paul considered what he deserved from God because of his evil behavior and the gracious pardon he received instead, his heart just overflowed with joy and gratitude. When Paul considered what he had been and where he was headed and what God had made him to be, not only a Christian, but one of his chosen apostles, he stood in awe of the tender mercy of his God. In his first letter to Timothy, he wrote, I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who has given me strength that he considered me faithful, appointing me to his service. The grace of our Lord was poured out on me abundantly, along with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. You might think that Paul would be racked with guilt the rest of his life because of the horrible things he had done to his fellow Christians. And I'm sure Paul never forgot the terrible things he did to his fellow brothers and sisters. But I don't think that Paul was consumed with guilt the rest of his life. Rather, I think Paul's heart was overflowing with gratitude. You see, Paul learned to lay all of his guilt, all of his failure, all of his regrets, all of his weaknesses at the foot of the cross and to take hold of the healing and the cleansing and the forgiveness that Jesus offered him in the gospel. No longer was he driven by guilt or the hope of gain. No, now Paul was a changed man, driven only by gratitude. Christ's amazing love for him compelled him now to want to live for the one who died for him and was raised again. Paul now directed all of his passion and all of his energy to serving Christ and fulfilling that ministry that the Lord Jesus had given him. In his own words, Paul said, 
I consider my life worth nothing to me if only I may finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the gospel of God's grace. Instead of persecuting Christians and trying to destroy the church, Paul now dedicated his life to building up the church and reaching precious souls for Jesus. You see, more than anything else, Paul now wanted to help other people come to enjoy the awesome blessings that he found in his Savior. And you know, Paul wouldn't give up on anyone easily, would he? Even those people who are now persecuting him for his newfound Christian faith. You see, Paul figured if God could change his heart, he could change everybody. I think Paul looked at everybody and he said, every person that I meet with my eyes is either a Christian or a potential Christian. Now, he wasn't naive. He knew some people were going to reject the message. But every person was someone that Jesus loved and died for. And he wanted that person, more than anything else, to become a Christian just like him. And so Paul worked tirelessly and passionately with all of his energy and ambition to reach as many souls for Christ as he possibly could. And once again in our devotion today, from 1 Corinthians chapter 9, he told us about that. He said, Though I am free and belong to no one, I make myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. To the Jews I became like a Jew to win the Jews. To the weak I became weak to win the weak. I have become all things to all people so that by all possible means I might save some. I do all this for the sake of the gospel that I might share in its blessings. Now what did it mean that Paul became all things to all people? Well, certainly Paul was not going to water down the message or compromise God's truth. Paul was not going to soften the severity of God's law because that's what's needed to cut through the walls of sin and denial. And he wasn't going to water down or soften the sweetness of the gospel either. Paul refused to change the message to make it agree with political correctness or human reasoning or popular public opinion. No, Paul was never going to change the message, but he was willing to change and adapt himself. Paul was willing to change whatever stood in the way of connecting people to Christ through the power of the gospel. He was so passionate about reaching lost souls for Jesus that he would meet people where they were at in hopes of bringing them under the influence of the word. Paul was willing to set aside his personal preferences to meet the various needs of both Jews and Gentiles. He became all things to all people so that by all possible means he might save some. His great passion to reach lost souls for Jesus is what led Paul to go on those great missionary journeys, spreading the gospel all over the Mediterranean world. You know, Paul was not just a one-man show either, was he? Everywhere Paul went, he was eager to train up leaders and to equip God's people to carry out that ministry together with him. He recognized that every single believer has an important role to play in the body of Christ. His love for his fellow believers in the church and his concern for souls outside the church is evident in all of his New Testament epistles. Yes, the gracious love of the Savior so touched this apostle's heart that he now wanted to dedicate the rest of his life to serving his Savior and reflecting his love and blessings to the people around him. 
I believe that the passion and priorities of the Apostle Paul have rubbed off on the leaders and members of Apostles Lutheran Church. For 50 years now, just like Paul, you've dedicated your lives to testifying to the gospel of God's grace. As your purpose statement puts it so well, under the blessing of God, we strive to know the grace of God in Jesus Christ, grow in faith, love, and service, and go with the gospel in our community and in our world. For 11 years, my family and I were privileged to be part of the Apostles' family and to share your passion for reaching lost souls for Christ. You know, from the beginning, Apostles Lutheran School and your high school have not been content simply to train and equip your own members, but are a powerful tool of outreach to the people of this community. Just think how many children and families have been touched by the love of Jesus over the years through the ministry of your schools. Just think how well these have been able to help you connect with people of different cultures within your community. You may know that my daughter Rachel is serving in China now as part of the Friends of China Outreach Program. I think her time spent here at Apostles opened her eyes to see the opportunities to connect with people of other cultures. Where else in the wells could you find volunteers speaking Mandarin Chinese to each other while folding bulletins in the church office? Apostles has also made kids' programs its passion and its priority. Jesus loves little children, and therefore so do we. Vacation Bible School and Junior Bible Camp and Christmas for Kids and Easter for Kids and Sunshine Station and sports camps and youth ministry, those are all great ways to connect with people where they're at and bring them under the influence of the Word. Fellowship activities like your church picnic today are great ways to invite people onto our campus and develop relationships with them so you can tell them more. Worship at Apostles has always had an outreach focus as well. Like the Apostle Paul, we must never water down the message or compromise God's truth. But as you strive to offer excellence in both a traditional and a contemporary format, you always want to have the visitor in mind. Every worship service, every Christmas program, every concert, every funeral or wedding is another opportunity to tell people about the love of Jesus and enlighten them with the truth. And you never know who's going to hear the gospel or be touched by that message on that particular day. Greeting visitors before and after worship is always a high priority because you want to make sure that every guest receives a warm welcome into the Apostles' family. Apostles has always been at the forefront of using technology like video screens and videos and the internet to reach people for Christ. You know, everything we tried over the years didn't always work so well, but that's okay. I think Apostles has always had the motto of failing forward. So if you try something and it doesn't work, you learn from it and you move on to something better. You know, it's kind of like fishing. You don't know which line is going to hook that fish, but the more lines you have in the water, the more opportunities you have to catch one. And then don't be surprised if the Lord just throws one in on the other side of the boat. And remember that every member of Apostles has an important role to play in making that happen. For 50 years, Apostles has also made its support for the worldwide ministry of the wells a high priority. You don't just care about souls here in San Jose, but through your partnership with your brothers and sisters in the wells, you're reaching people of every culture and background through the home and world mission efforts of our synod. You know, that was a passion for the Apostle Paul as well. 
In his letter to the Romans, he said, It has always been my ambition to preach the gospel where Christ was not yet known. As you celebrate 50 years of God's grace in this year-long anniversary celebration, it's always remember, it's good to remember where you came from. Every single one of us here was born spiritually dead and cut off from God in sin and unbelief. Every one of us here, because of the evil we have thought, spoken, and done, just like Paul, deserved to be cursed and cut off from God forever. But in his grace and mercy, God sent the Holy Spirit to enlighten us with the truth and has brought us new life in Christ, just like he did for Paul. He worked a miracle in our heart. Every Christian here is a living, breathing, walking miracle of the Holy Spirit. He's opened our eyes to see how richly blessed we are. We have the forgiveness of sins and freedom from guilt, a place in God's own family of believers, power for Christian living, and the sure hope of eternal life in heaven. Like Paul, every one of us here has reasons for personal gratitude. Like Paul, every one of us here wants to be passionate about worship and Bible study and spiritual growth and Christian service and outreach to others. Like Paul, we want to express our gratitude to our risen Savior by committing our time, our offerings, our energy and talents to serve Christ and share his blessings with the people around us. The danger a congregation faces as it gets older is it can lose its passion and forget its purpose. It's easy to grow complacent, to rest on your laurels, and to develop a very inward focus. It's easy to put outreach on the back burner because you get so busy taking care of all that other stuff. Yes, it's easy to just kind of sit on the sidelines. I've done my time and watch and see everybody else do the work. Don't let that happen to you as individual Christians or as an apostle's family. Don't ever forsake your first love. Remember what great things God has done for you as individuals and as a Christian congregation. The blessings he showered upon apostles these past 50 years are amazing. The trust he's given to you is extraordinary. God intends to use you as a powerful force in this community. As a church family united to glorify his name and to reflect his love to the people around you, especially the unchurched. That has been your God-given purpose for the past 50 years. That will be your God-given purpose for the next 50 years. Yes, make serving your Savior your ongoing passion and priority as you seek to glorify your Lord and you work together using every possible means to reach precious souls for Christ. Amen. And the peace of God which goes beyond all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.